This is Impact, a look at the things that matter in Nevada. I'm Carrie Kaufman. This past Thursday, the CCSD Board of Trustees discussed writing an anti-racist policy. The policy is being driven by 1865, no racism in schools. This means it's being driven by Jonte Marshall and Akiko Cooks. They are following in the footsteps of a gender policy put in place in 2018 after a bill by Senator David Parks was passed into law. This year, Assemblywoman Brittany Miller is carrying a bill to force school districts in the state to have anti-racist policies. We're going to talk to Akiko and her son, Corey, and we're going to talk to Jenna Robertson and her daughter, Bella, about how the 1865 group can ensure that the law, if passed, gets followed. You should also know that Bella, who is 14, is known in the queer community as Elizabeth Warren's best friend. That's because she advocated with her about trans rights every time she came to town. We're going to talk to them in a moment, but first... Almost 140 million people have been vaccinated in the U.S., a number that kept growing even though the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was taken off the market for a short time. It is now back on the market. 32 million cases of coronavirus have been reported in the U.S. in the last 14 months, And we're still holding barely to under 600,000 deaths. Remember when Dr. Fauci suggested the worst case scenario might be 200,000 deaths and we all gasped? And then the president he was serving under didn't do what Fauci suggested. And so we blew past that number. Yeah, I remember that too. In Nevada, a quarter of our population has received two vaccines And a third has received one. This is far from the 80% we need for herd immunity, so go out and get vaccinated. It's been a year since I started Impact as the pandemic was changing life as we knew it. And I'm going to take a break for a little while to work on some long-form writing and rethink this show. We'll be back in the fall. Now, let's get to the interview. This is Impact. I'm Carrie Kaufman. I met Akiko Cooks in the summer of 2019 as I was trying to get a bead on racism in CCSD. We met for coffee and she told me what happened at Arborview High School that March when someone alerted her to an Instagram post that targeted black students for assassination. Her son, Corey, was one of them. The response of the school was incredibly concerning, even though the principal and CCSD police were aware of the post the night before. School wasn't canceled, and parents were not notified, except by Akiko, whose notifications cleared the school fast. This month, Akiko and Jashante Marshall, another mother of one of the boys who was targeted, ratcheted up their pressure on CCSD to create anti-racist policies that consist of anti-racist actions. This includes beefing up the Office of Equity and Diversity, creating a position of equity and diversity liaison for each school, creating a policy committee that consists of at least 60% community members. What a concept. Creating an anti-racist training for teachers and students, and perhaps even parents. This is not going to be an easy task. There is, as Akiko and I have talked about before, a lot of entrenched racism in this district from teachers, from parents, from administrative leaders. Akiko joins me in studio today with her son, Corey. We're going to start our conversation talking about what racism is, 
how anti-racism works and how we can get past the all lives matter, folks. <laughs> you laugh, Takiko. Welcome <laughs> back to this studio. So uh, the all lives matter, folks. I don't know that um, we get past them. We move around them. Hmm. Some people are willfully ignorant and we have to let them be that. Um, but we have to get on a, a, a solid united front and stand in solidarity um, to move around them. Mm-hmm. They will be all lives matter. They um, will be filled with hate. There's nothing we can do about that. What we can do is create um, consequences and barriers and boundaries mm-hmm. when it comes to our school system. You want an anti-racist policy. You've written a lot of this already, and you've sent it to me. Um, what do you want, and when do you want it? I want it by the beginning of the school year. Mm. Um, since our babies are back on campuses, we are seeing stuff heighten. Not that it didn't happen while they were in distant learning, because stuff was happening. Um, but we didn't have to really be concerned about physical threats or school shootings or anything like that. So that, we were kind of like... We can breathe a little bit. By the time school is back in session in August, um, we want the policy in place. That gives us all summer to work on it. I don't want to rush policy. Um, and I want the, the, the people who create the policy as for, on the 60% side to be a diverse um, team. Mm-hmm. Um, and educators, I would like a couple of students on there. Um, from the high school level and the collegiate level, some UNLV students maybe. Um, It has to be people who are from this community, from our city, that knows what's happening here. Um, And we sent the trustee board a few different um, policies that are already in place. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, you sent me that, yes. I, that one is... It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and clear and concise. Yep. Very clear. I mean, it, it adds curriculum in there, like everything that needs to happen. Um, we already have AB 371, which is the bill being carried by Brittany Miller that Jante and I also worked on that one with her as well last mm-hmm. year. So um, we, and I told Jara, I said, we've done about 40% of the work for you at this point. <laughs> and I haven't asked for a check. <laughs> <laughs> But, okay, so let's get to um, what you're asking for just in terms of the, the, the committee mm-hmm. that would be made up of 60% community members. Mm-hmm. has never really happened before at CCSD. I mean, it may have before I started covering it. But, uh, you know, generally they handpick the community members and, uh, and put them on these committees, and then they really ignore what they say. So... Say you do get this committee together, and that's a, it's a hurdle I mean, uh, to, to get this committee together by the first of the year. Say you do get it together. Mm-hmm. How do you, how are you prepared to ensure that, that it's a fair committee? Um, so I think that's another conversation where we have more community meetings, not that the district calls, community meetings that we call. Got it. And we decide together who is it that we want to see creating um this policy mm-hmm. um i definitely would like some community organizers who do policy work mm-hmm. there restorative justice practitioners mm-hmm. administrators t- 
teachers, mm-hmm. um, licensed uh, health professional, mental health professionals. Um, all of it needs to, it 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 needs to be covered in a holistic way. Um, and getting it on the agenda was a hurdle. Mm-hmm. So it was a little one, but it was a hurdle. Two year, a two year hurdle, mm-hmm. right? Um, a two year hurdle and Katie Williams. <laughs> so, cause she didn't even want it on the agenda. She did not even want it on the agenda. She doesn't think it has anything to do with uh, actual learning outcomes. And Chris Garvey, her predecessor, said, would say the same thing. Anytime something social would come up, she would be like, well, this doesn't have anything to do with learning outcomes, uh, which I thought was very short-sighted. So it's on the agenda for Thursday. And by the time people hear this, it will be passed. Uh, it'll be Saturday morning. Uh, but um, it's just, it's a trustee item, right? It was brought up by the trustees. And after the meeting last week on, on April 13th, uh, trustee Danielle Ford came out and said to your group, hey, let's just, let's get this on the agenda and then we can do a resolution saying that this is what we need. Um, that's step one, right? And I appreciate that. Like, I, I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. What's step two? Um, creating, so... It's on the agenda item. Having some um, definite dates, benchmarks. July 2nd, and I'm just throwing some dates Mm -hmm. out there, but some benchmarks, putting a plan in place that is achievable. And I believe that the summer months, we, we can do it. But I think first people need to get past, um, caring about the people who are in opposition because mm. I had to get past that quick. Mm-hmm. Stop caring about the people who are in opposition and being focused on the people being focused on how it will impact our campuses with those people who are in opposition, whether they be a teacher or parents sending their students to school with our babies. Mm-hmm. If you are in opposition, it's probably like you you're probably likely that you are scared that your student will fall under your student will get in trouble behind violating the policy so you got to tighten up something at home that doesn't have anything to do with us when you when they get to this campus is when <laughs> um so coming up with a plan with definite dates mm-hmm. some benchmarks mm-hmm. and looking to see which um, demands that we put can be implemented now. Mm-hmm. And there are a few. Like what? Um, fully staffing the equity and diversity department that already exists. What a concept. Fully staffing and also giving them the responsibility, right. allowing them to do their jobs, right. which is a problem here. Which um, we have to hold them accountable. That is our job mm-hmm. as parents and as the community members these are our schools, not theirs. In essence, they kind of work for us. Mm-hmm. We have to step into that mindset. Um, and I need to, I, I'm really focused on pulling our kids into it more. Okay, so that's the cue. Pulling our kids into it more. <laughs> uh, Corey, you can lean a little forward and maybe bring that mic up to you a little bit. Um, these guys that threatened you, they were punished, right? They, they went to juvie. Uh, you read a victim impact statement. Um, how did that feel when you did that? Mm. 
it was sort of a relief. I didn't really think too much of it at the time. But, I mean, it was something. It was something nice to get off my test for the time. Right. What, what, did, what did you say in your statement? I was just explaining just, like, this is what I do. And, like, you know, how the outcome just affected the people around me in the situation. Um, you, when you saw that Instagram post, what'd you think? I didn't really, like, this may sound weird, but I didn't even really have too much emotion to it. I was like, oh, I wasn't even really surprised the day and age we live in. Mm. Nothing surprises me at all. (laughs) Did you know who did it? No. Were you afraid to go to school? Not really. But your mom wouldn't send you to school. Mm. <laughs> yeah, she's told me about that a lot. Um, do you deal with that kind of racism still in school in your everyday life? No, because I haven't been to regular school in like, I don't uh, know how long. It went, it went. <laughs> We're pandemic. COVID, yeah. Yeah. It went March 19th and then March. And are you a senior or are you a junior? Senior. So you're gone. Pretty much. Interesting. <laughs> So I have to ask you, your mom's like all over the place. Um, your mom has, she's flown to Washington, D.C., and she's, uh, you know, dealing with former white supremacists, and she goes to L.A., or she goes on Zoom to L.A. to talk to, uh, to, talk to writers in Hollywood and, and, and all this stuff. Uh, and she's telling your story. She keeps telling your story. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. I, I remember one day we had a conversation and I had to apologize to him and my daughter because I know that right after that happened, for at least 90 days, they had lost me. Like, I was... So I asked him, is there something that you would have wanted me to do different, Lee? Or is there anything you want me to do different now? And, Corey? No. And I felt okay. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't. I wasn't neglectful. <laughs> what do you want to do? Like, as, as in, like, as, as, in, as in life. You're a senior. That's a lot. Uh, I want to make music. I want to make art. And I just want to change things. Through you, to, music in a art. short way, I put it. Yeah. Okay. To be continued. Okay. That works. I'll listen to that. We are taping this, of course, on the day that uh, Derek Chauvin was found guilty on all charges. Uh, and so I feel like there's a, there's maybe a little bit of hope. There's <laughs> a little bit of hope. Um, but of course, it, you know, there was an elected prosecutor who prosecuted the case, and that's really the, the issue many mm-hmm. times. Um, do you feel hopeful coming out of this, Akiko? Um, so he's found guilty. The last time we talked, by the way, on the radio was when Brianna Taylor's murderers were get not indicted. So right. So they weren't indicted and he's found guilty. Mm-hmm. And let's say he goes to prison. Mm-hmm. Does that change it? Um no, it doesn't change it. Uh, 
is it that they didn't want the world to burn up had he not been found guilty? Mm. So they said, mm, that's just, he's just, he gonna have to be found guilty today. It didn't change it. Um, and, and me being a community organizer and looking through the lens of abolition and really wanting to do away with punishment, so to speak, um, because consequences don't always have to be punishment. Mm-hmm. Punishment doesn't always work. Prisons don't always work. Mm-hmm. Cages don't work. Mm-hmm. Does that change his viewpoint and his attitude when he gets out? Okay, I'm going to bring in our other two guests who are in the studio here, um, broaden the conversation a little, little bit. Jenna Robertson uh, is one of the people who runs the Nevada Alliance for Student Diversity. Uh, and I am proud to say that we are also talking to the famous Bella Robertson, whose voice has appeared on this show before. You know that, right, Bella? Mm-hmm. That your voice appears in the kids' fighting bump uh, with her sisters and brother. Welcome, both of you. Jenna, you uh, you were gesturing as Akiko was talking, so talk to me. <laughs> it's 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 one guy. He's it's he's he's one guy. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe it's optimistic to say it's a, it's a start. I mean. How many starts? I, I don't know. It's one guy. It's mm-hmm. good, but it's one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about, there was a policy that came in in 2018. It was a, it was a, a trans-only policy, or was it a, a trans and, and uh, um, LGBTQ in, encompassing policy? It was specifically a gender diversity policy okay. for trans and non-binary and any kid that doesn't fit into a gender box mm-hmm. um, or fits into the opposite box that we think they should be in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a gender diversity policy. It took a good two years to get it on the uh, to get it as an agenda item. Um, people prior to my advocacy uh went through the legislature as well and the district finally had to put it on the agenda simply because the legislator legislature said they had to right so um they were kind of forced to uh to make change and the policy we we did get a committee uh community committee together it was 40 community members i believe it was teachers it was admins students I want to say there were religious leaders included, um, and of course those were handpicked by the district. There were um, people that were against having a policy on that committee. There were people that um, it directly affected um, on that on that committee. So uh, I think it can be done. I think you can get a committee, Akiko, that is made up of actual community members. Personally, I would like to see some community members that haven't yet had a seat at the table, mm-hmm. um, as well as people that a- actually will be affected by this policy. Um, so it has to be diverse because that's what this policy will will do. I want to say it's a misunderstanding sometimes that Akiko and the No Racism moms are working for African-American students. And I, I know personally that the advocacy work that Akiko and Jante are doing, it affects anti-hate based behaviors it's not just racism it's not just um my trans child it is any hate based behavior is behavior that would be covered by what akiko is trying to do so mm-hmm. i want i just want to make sure that that's out there the work that they're doing is it's protecting our kids it's protecting our students and uh, i i can't wait for this to be heard on the board public comment real public comment mm-hmm. um, 
yeah, I'm super proud of the work that you're doing. Thank Thank you. you. So you you mentioned that uh, SB 225, which was brought by David Parks um, in 2017, it created the gender diversity policy. How does the CCSD policy stand up to to the law? Well, the law says that every school district in the state of Nevada has to have a policy protecting gender diverse students. And what the the state um, school board did was create a policy that covers the state. So the state has a has a policy Mm -hmm. and their policy was slightly less than what we were asking for. And the criteria that the districts individually had to meet were they had to meet the state policy or do better. So what CCSD did to their great credit, and it did take some time, was it created a policy that bettered the state's policy. Mm. So um, trans and gender diverse kids are protected uh, in the locker rooms, in the bathrooms, they're protected on overnight trips. Um, Our kids are able to change their name and gender marker in Infinite Campus. Really? Yes. Wait, nice. I didn't know that. Well, I didn't know that either because I know kids who want to change their name and gender marker in yes. Infinite Campus are, and are told that they can't. They need to come to us. They no. need to come to you. Okay. So now if we had an adequately staffed ah. uh, equity and diversity group, right? Ex- equity and diversity um, office department. Uh, department. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. Uh, this would be handled in a day it's it's super fast the the student uh, and a parent um oh. hopefully there's a supportive parent at home oh this is i'm talking <laughs> younger kids let's talk younger kids okay. first so a student and a parent would go to the office and say we we would like to you know have this gender diversity meeting or just express an interest in changing the name mm-hmm. and it's it, it used to be that infinite campus would only have a legal name mm-hmm. and on the school ID, on the school records, mm-hmm. on your diploma, it on the screen now, if it was distance learning, it would say the legal name. There was nothing you could do about it. Now, equity and diversity themselves can go in. They're the only ones that can do it now. Admins can't do it. The office staff can't do it. Equity and diversity themselves have to go in, can change the name, can change the gender marker. It changes it across the board. It happens instantaneously, and it happens in the gender uh, support meetings okay. that our policy helped Okay, so now, uh, what about older kids? Older kids. Who maybe aren't out to their parents. It's a little trickier Um. because older kids, they are, they're a little more autonomous and they have, uh, we have to trust older kids to know if their home is safe or not. We just do. It is trickier to go in and have something changed in the schools without parent permission. Mm. It is... I'll just say it's probably near impossible. A parent or a guardian is going to have to come in and approve these changes. Uh, I would like to see that different. It's not to say that teachers can't support these students. It's not to say that a teacher couldn't call mm-hmm. a kid by a, a chosen mm-hmm. name. It, it's not going to happen in infinite campus without a parent's okay. permission. What my, what my kids tell me is that uh, the teachers are fine calling them by their chosen name. It's the substitutes who don't mm. know and are reading Infinite Campus or, you know, they're reading the Google Meets, whatever. Right. And then they use their dead names. And it it's, happens. It's it, cringy. My daughter, for example, her name was um, not yet legally changed and she had transitioned uh, in school. It was the first full day of school and she was excited to go to school as her new authentic self and 
the the school was supportive the staff was supportive the teachers who had known her since pre-k were supportive and now she's a third grader coming to school as a different gender a different name same classmates same kids and she was outed by the school librarian who didn't have an updated roster so something as simple as an updated roster could have you know, saved her some embarrassment. Now, if it was a different kid, this could have been devastating. Right. Yeah. My daughter stood up and wanted to explain what it meant, who she was, <laughs> how yes. she picked her name. Okay, so cue Bella. So, yes. Okay, so um, uh, how, when, you, when, the, when the librarian called you by the wrong name, what did you say? I literally just stood up and just said my name, like, this is who I want to be called by, this is what I want to be called by. And I was just generally like, it's okay, it was a genuine mistake. You probably didn't know offhand, and it's perfectly fine. Well, just for, call me by this. Yes. And she was fine with that. Yeah. yeah good for you. Um, do your, the kids in your class, their parents, what did, you know, what did they think? Did you get any blowback from this? No, not really. They were all really supportive of it. And that was surprising to me, because some people don't really get that. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, I feel like you walk into a room and you're like, I'm Bella! And, and so everybody pretty goes, much. hi, Bella, and then that's it. And that's pretty much it. So nobody's going to be mean to you, right? Nope. And you have you have not incurred incurred any blowback from that. No, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say that I think uh, Bella had a little more, uh, maybe bullying, maybe a little ribbing. Are you a girl? When she would go to school as a boy with sparkly fingernail polish mm. or sparkly shoes or mm. something that she liked but wasn't yet transitioned. I, we didn't know. We just thought she was our son who liked sparkly nails. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to try to kind of give her some tips like, you know, just tell him, no, I'm not a girl. I'm a rock star. And she would never say it. She would, she would not say that. Interesting. And so I'm trying to give her, you know, a little pep talk and how you could talk back. Nope. I think she, before she could tell us, I think she just knew. I don't know that she knew, but I am a girl. I think she just knew that. That wasn't the right answer. That's not the answer. Yeah. So I'm jealous. And I'll tell you why I'm jealous. Because I'm 50 something years old. And when I grew up, people would be like, "Uh, hey, son, you just dropped something. And I'd cry because they thought that I was a boy. In fact, though, I was myself, right? And people would just like, you know, they would like put their expectations on me. And so the fact that you walk in the room and you're like, I'm just me and let me explain who I am is a pretty awesome thing. So I just want to tell you that. Mm-hmm. that Super awesome. When you see hate, when you see people being hateful, not just generally towards you, but to anybody, you know, to a, a black or brown kid that you go to school with, what do you do? I would stand up for them. Like, like I would literally go straight to what's happening and say, hey, that's not cool, man. I'm their friend, and if you want to boss them around, you have to boss me around too. And if you do that, I will go to a parent or a legal guardian or a teacher and tell that you are being rude in this specific way, and you will get in trouble for that because that is not allowed. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, that might sound like a lot of talk from a scrappy little 14-year-old, but uh, we have a very diverse family. Right. So we have a lot of diversities in our family. We've got some racial diversity in our family. We've got some gender diversity in our family. We kind of fit the rainbow of, you know, you know, that rain, the new pride flag with the, you know, brown and black colors and the trans color. We fit all of that. Mm -hmm. So Bella has some experience standing up for Mm. for other 
kids. Or your sister. Right in our own family. So it's, she's not completely, you know, spouting mm-hmm. off over here. She's giving it some thought. So, Corey, you're here because mm-hmm. your mom asked you to come here. So um, what do you? what is it that you want to say to people? What is it that, that you want to... Uh, would you be part of this diversity committee? Would you tell your story? Um, yeah, but I'll tell my story in, you know, very unique ways because I feel how I project myself. Nobody can do that for me. So. so you tell it through music? Music, art, illustration, ah. anything I feel like at the time. Cool. Okay. I want to see some of his drawings. You're going to get them to me, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, Akiko, the, the, your work with the Southern Poverty Law Center mm-hmm. and National University? Uh, American University. American University. Mm-hmm. I knew it was something like that. Uh, what are you doing with them? T- remind us again. So we've already created um, a toolkit uh, for parents and caregivers mm-hmm. to be able to identify radicalization online. Because these white supremacist groups have kicked up, especially um, yeah. in the distant learning era. So we created a toolkit in order to help parents, caregivers, teachers, coaches be able to identify if a child is being targeted um, and how to respond and to react. Uh, there's a principal, Elijah Hawks. So what you're looking at is uh, white supremacist groups that try to recruit online. Yes. And trying to stop that before it happens. Yes, prevention is the key for everything. Like, if we can stop it, get ahead of it, um, then we won't have to deal with the problem because there won't be one. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Dr. Pete Simi pulled me in to go to American University, and I, I'm sitting at this table with, like, six white people, and I'm like, yeah, so if I go missing... <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> Six white people, some of whom are ex-white supremacists. Yes. yes. Um, who I've actually become very good friends with, mm-hmm. Shannon Martinez. Um, her life's work now is to do is de-radicalization work. Um, and we work very closely together because our stories are so polar opposite. Mm-hmm. But we have the same common goal. Like... You know, we talk, text. I ask her like very direct questions. The first question I asked her, I'm like, so you actually caused physical harm Mm. and mental abuse to someone because they look like me? She said, yeah. And I was like, hmm. Had to sit on it, right? Right. Um. And then I remember Dr. King's daughter had met a former white supremacist and had a conversation with him. And all of that, it was it was like a, a, a light bulb that went off mm-hmm. because I immediately played in my head that racism is taught. You're not born racist. You're taught to be racist and you can be untaught. You can unlearn that behavior and that ideology. You can unlearn it. Um, and I wanted to give Shannon a chance as a human and um, see what type of work we could do together to like create the change that needs to happen. 
And I still, like, I don't feel any way towards her. I love her. Mm -hmm. But I still think about um, what harm she caused in her day. What families, you know. Mm -hmm. um, Especially with me moving in, like, a harm reduction way. Like, how do we reduce the harm? The boys at Arborview, we just, all we did was expel them from the district. It didn't fix it. So now they're at another district causing harm. Right. That's not harm reduction. So how do we fix it? How do we fix that problem? Continue with education, educating, educating, educating. We're all ignorant in something still. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just now learning, like, not even learning, but being intentional mm-hmm. on asking people their preferred pronouns. Because it's out of res- it's respect. Mm-hmm. How do we respect each other and just love each other and respect what someone wants for themselves? Like it's it, it's not about me. It's about you and how I can be intentional on being a, a, a good human, a neighbor to you. Um, my oldest son is gay, so I learned a lot from him. I call him and we have very, very in-depth conversations and you know he's moving through being a gay black man working and well he he's doing film but he's advocating for trans people and like it's a lot of stuff that's happening and he's like mom you know it's i'm not trans but i'm seeing the harm that's being caused and they're hurt i can't even tell you the number but last 2019 maybe 2020 it was something like 80 something black trans women have been killed. That's hate. That's pure hate. I, I should say that I've had conversations within newsrooms that I've worked in about pronouns. And the, the cis people that I would work with would say, well, you know, we don't want to piss off people who who, you know, think that that's a ridiculous question, right? Who you're, you're what you're questioning? You think I'm a girl? What? Um, and, and, and we've had some really, I had some really interesting conversations. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that about what we should ask. And, and, you know, Hey, this is we ask this of everybody. Um, and I think it goes back to, I don't really care what the haters hate, what the haters think. We just need to move forward. Um, let's go to the practicalities of moving forward. You've got AB 371. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to get passed. Brittany Miller is, uh, is shepherding this through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, as Jenna said, it will make the uh, CCSD, it will make the trustees have to deal with it. Um, what are your plans for when this passes? Like, you know, the day after it passes, what are you doing? So, well, I've already actually um, started to figure out what the accountability part looks like. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm getting ahead of it, right? Um, is there an accountability team? The equity and diversity liaison at each school is a part of the accountability. Being clear about... Um, what the equity and diversity department looks like and maybe looking at what the qualifications are and what type of training that person has had. Yes, that would be good. Um, Being there, like, I think it's a skeleton crew now. If even that Jenna says there's two people Is there there. still two people Talk to us. My... Co-founder of Nevada Alliance for Student Diversity had a conversation just last week that confirmed there are two people in the Equity and Diversity Department. They are reportedly unable to hire. 
currently. And um, I think that they're, as a department, probably as probably as a district, they're a little nervous about all these changes coming up because they need some more people. They need support. They need staff. And it's my understanding they're currently unable to hire. Two people for 330,000 people Carrie, in the district. Let's talk about the gender um, the gender yes. meetings that we have in every school. Mm-hmm. That we, When a kid comes out, equity and diversity is there in person at those meetings. Every meeting. So how does that happen how, with two people? And that that's happen? just... That's just the gender diverse kids. What are we going to do when there's an anti-racism policy that somebody's going to actually have to be on site to deal with? How do you do that with two people in a district, the fifth largest school district in the country? Mm -hmm. I found it interesting that there was only three bilingual school psychologists in the entire district. I'm like, so mental health is going to poop. (laughs) I mean, it's there, but... Mm -hmm. um, when a student comes out, they shouldn't have to wait for someone to come because they only have two people. Isn't mental health the big issue right now? Isn't that a big concern <laughs> in our district? Right? Right? I'm saying. Uh, only if it gets you a national tour with um, right. with, with you know journalists. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other thing that I have issues with. Not just with JAR, but with the journalists who ate it all up. Right. Well, I'd like to say anecdotally that I think the mental health of some of your LGBTQ students here in this district went way up yeah, during this I pandemic. Know, I know. Anecdotally, huh. <laughs> our kids were, were pretty good that were, you were happier home. being at home? Yes. Yes. So why? Can you lean into the microphone? What is Bella, this? talk about your grades. Uh, as soon as like... Uh, or we all went to social distancing and online classes. I'm like, uh, I'm not really feeling this, but like over the time went on, I got like sort of more into it. It just felt like the new normal for some people. But when they started opening schools back up for like some people, like some people get to go for like the full days. Mm-hmm. Some people go to go for like half a day. Like there's like different cohorts, like cohort A where they do like, Monday, Tuesday, mm-hmm. and then cohort B where they do Thursday and Friday. And as soon as it opened up, I'm like, I want to go back to school. I want to go back to my normal. Because mm-hmm. that just feels more natural to me being in like a social environment instead of being cooped up at a desk in a house. Mm-hmm. Okay, you skipped over your grades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my grades have been doing better. Good. So Best. your grades weren't doing as well when you were in, in school in person. Yes. And then they got better when you were when you were on uh, at home yeah this they did get a lot better throughout the time when i got more used to it and then when all the stuff came around mm-hmm. when like it first hit i'm like oh my god my grades are going to go down but then when i got more used to it i saw my grades started skyrocketing i'm like okay this is going good like i'm actually getting more work done now yeah mm. Did you find that there was more social emotional uh, calm than 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 normal? Is that why her grades went up? Perhaps, but I will tell you this: we have, as a group, um, we have had in-person support groups for parents and caregivers of gender diverse youth. We have some, you know, adult children. Mm-hmm. We have their parents in our group as well. Um, for the last, I would say, seven years, we've met every single saturday in person and we have families that join us every single saturday 
So it might be five families one week. It might be 12 families another week. It might be two families the next week, Mm -hmm. right? But every single Saturday, people show up to this group in person for support, new families. During the pandemic, we thought, we'll just switch to, to Zoom. We'll pivot to Zoom. Nobody needed us. Huh. That sounds like a loving space there. <laughs> we could not get people to come and join us online. We would see the same, maybe two people who had things that they needed to talk about. And we were happy to support them. But for the entire summer, we would see the same two faces, which we love those two faces. Mm. But we knew that we were not as needed. And that was okay. It was kind of nice to have a break. It was kind mm-hmm. of nice to know our families and, and the kids were doing okay. So anecdotally, I think our kids, uh, it was just a nice break. Did they feel safer? It, like, yeah, what, that's, what, that's, that's safer? actually what I'm getting at, right? Like yeah. I, I know, and I have said this to my dad, if we had a pandemic when I was in high school, I would have been more than happy to stay home. Exactly. Same. That's yeah. what Corey said. Corey was like, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's exactly it, right? Like the the distance learning is what you feel safer, and it's the it's it's dealing with all the idiots and hateful people that you deal with on a daily basis that you don't even realize, you know. Like Corey's like, yeah, that's just normal school. Well, you know, I I really wish that normal school were better, right? I I really wish that it wasn't normal. Right. I told. On Thursday, I told the the trustee board and Jara, I said, if you do not um, create protections, BIPOC people will begin to remove their kids from your school district and create their own schools like the Black Panther Party did with the Freedom Schools, mm-hmm. where they had their own schools for community. And it wasn't just black students. It was, it was really a poor people's campaign more mm-hmm. so, like Dr. King. If you are poor and you want to go to school in a safe environment, Come on. That's what's going to happen. So we had a trustee when we were doing the gender diversity uh, public meetings. We had a trustee suggest perhaps they should be in a place where they felt more comfortable. <gasps> a trustee. Why aren't they comfortable at on the school? Board? School. <laughs> why? Why? The place that they should be more comfortable is at school. Yep. Which trustee? Oh, mm. I think you mentioned her earlier. Oh, that sounds about uh, right. Yes. OK. Yeah. Katie Williams' predecessor. Yes. 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 That's the thing that, you know, everybody's like, oh, Katie Williams, she's so hateful and she she's puts all this stuff on Twitter. One. And I'm like, she's I'm like, I think that her predecessor just didn't tweet. She's not. That's <laughs> right. Right. Like that's. She's not the first one. Right. She won't be the last. Yep. Right. Unless we really, you know, and, and Jenna just gave me hope because I'm basically walking in the shoes that they walked in. I didn't know mm-hmm. that it was a two year process. Like. Um, and I feel like we're going to have more work to do, even on the gender diversity, um, yeah. policy and something's gonna, something's gonna happen. One thing that I put in our demand that the policy is, um, every two, I think I put two or three years, mm-hmm. three, it's reviewed mm-hmm. and updated in the event that stuff happens. Um, and it's not our demands aren't in stone it's a community it it was created for the community so the community has access to say well what about number 
maybe if we add this or put this or add that or whatever because it's it we just created something to give but it has to have some specific things i'm assuming and the specific things are like what was in the cincinnati thing well we're going right? to actually start this to create is what okay and this is what uh, white supremacy looks like and uh this is what anti-racist behavior looks like i mean you know you're going to codify some things mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so, so definitions will be in the policy we are going to craft one we're going to sit down a committee of people i know that there is um a caucus of black educators within ccea who i've been talking to who were at the meeting and they were like we are telling you that we will help work on the policy uh, you just heard from Akiko Cooks, who is spearheading this anti-racist policy with Jonte Marshall, uh, who's, both of whose sons were uh, uh, targeted at Arborview. We have been talking to Corey Landrum, who is Akiko's son. We have also been talking to Jenna Robertson and her daughter, Bella Robertson, about uh, uh, gender policy at CCSD and sort of like the pathway that Akiko and her group can follow. Thank you all of you for being here. I very much appreciate you being here and talking to me. It was an honor to be here. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> mine! No, Give no. it! No! Mommy said I should use them. It's mine! I'm telling! You're rude! <laughs> Another episode of Impact has come and gone. I can't think of a better way to start a hiatus than to talk to Akiko Cooks and her son Corey and Jenna Robertson and her daughter Bella. I'm glad there are people like them in the world. Impact has been a co-production of UNLV and Nevada Voice. As I said at the top of the show, we're going to be taking the summer off and Impact will be back in the fall. In the meantime, stay cool and stay safe. I'm Carrie Kaufman. Thank you for listening to Impact. <laughs>